0: Welcome to the Ethics Legal Podcast. This is a podcast where we educate the business community on issues relating to tech and the law. My name is Guy Stern. I'm your host today. And my guest is the amazing Vicky Hrubalaf from Ethics Legal. Vicky, how are you? Good
1: morning. Very well. And you, thanks.
0: I'm excellent. Thanks. Vicky, I've been so excited for this podcast for such a long time. And I think you and I have been discussing it for such a long time, haven't we? Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, my background is in computer science, and I started my own software company, and your background is obviously in law. And so we thought that the perfect topic for us to discuss in our very first ethics podcast would be relating to software and the law, and specifically relating to cloud computing. This is actually the first part in a three-part series on cloud computing and the law and contracts. In the first part, we're going to do a history of cloud computing and discuss some of the terminology. In the second part, we're going to discuss contracts relating to cloud computing. And uh, I know that you've told me about many, many different contracts, SaaS agreements and privacy policies and so on. And then in the third episode, we're going to talk about process, contract negotiation, and everything people really need to know and understand about managing contracts to do with cloud computing. How does that sound? You ready to get started? Sounds excellent.
1: Sounds like you are ready.
0: We are both ready, hopefully, um, and I'm a little nervous as this is our first podcast ever. So maybe you could just take me back to the 90s. It was a simpler time um, before cloud computing was even on the horizon. Um, how did people used to get? And this could be sort of for the Gen Z and the younger part of our audience. How do people actually used to procure and install sure, software? Sure, I'm
1: going to give away a bit of my age here, um, because I know this. We used to have CD-ROMs, um, where individuals could buy a CD-ROM, and you would put that into a little place in your computer, and you would download it onto your own desktop. Um, the other thing that was prevalent was big servers that that hosted, and these were very expensive. Um, and this actually then led to the application software provider or the ASP, as we know it, um, emerging from that because of these servers being very expensive.
0: Amazing. So that's also taking me on a little uh, trip through memory lane. And, uh, you know, I remember we used to get uh, in Carter, uh the old... Um, software products for uh, you know looking things up, and I remember we used to buy games we used to go to the shop and buy cd ROM games and install them, and also things like your word processor. I think it was easier for the for the software vendors back then too wasn't it because you know they didn 't have to worry about sort of all these you know crazy cloud computing concepts and various licenses yes and
1: no i think cloud computing has opened up so many doors for software providers and made it so much easier and there's so many opportunities so from that perspective mm, I, I may be easier to an extent but i think a lot more exciting and a lot more possibility since cloud computing came on the scene
0: that's so true okay so you know let's let's talk about what happened after the 90s so we got rid of all of our cd roms and we started to access uh various sort of software products you know via our web browser and through the internet so you know tell me a little bit about you you mentioned asps is that right Correct.
1: so the first thing that emerged was asps uh, which is similar to cloud in that it provides software over a wide network it was hosted remotely or still it can still be hosted remotely But the difference, and it's a fundamental difference to cloud computing is that it's customized fully for one customer, which means that it can't be rolled out to many customers as cloud computing can. Um, Then we hit the 2000s and yes, it's not that uh, recent, actually, we we think cloud computing happened yesterday. Um, In the 2000s, cloud computing as we know it now has emerged And we think about Amazon Web Services and Salesforce that launched in the 2000s.
0: Okay, thank you so much for that. That's such a good point about, um, you know, the advance to the cloud. I remember that as an early software developer, we used to build products for our clients and we used to upload those clients to some sort of server. Um, It'd probably be a server that they hosted or some hosting company hosted, but essentially it would just be one company's product that was being used over there. And you'd have to build something very bespoke for that particular company, and then another company would... Sort of build and release another piece of software, and you know there's huge expenses involved in running your own server. If I if I remember, weren't they? Correct,
1: and that was the the backdraw, the downfall of of the way it was operating. So the advances in tech then meant that cloud could grow rapidly, which it did. Um, and if people today hear about SaaS agreements or cloud computing, I think there's a lot of my clients even who would think, oh, it doesn't apply to me. Uh, You know, I I don't do that skip, or I don't know what that is. Um, And basically, all it means is a shift away from physical possession of that software or the infrastructure. So in other words, the servers or that CD-ROM or the software that gets installed. Um, So it's no longer with the customer, but it's controlled by a third party in a different location and accessed through the Internet or even a private network.
0: Okay, thank you so much for that answer. Can I just take you one step back? You mentioned SaaS. What so is there SaaS? there are three
1: primary types of cloud services. Um, the one which is probably most known is SaaS, software as a service is what it means. Um, and people pronounce it differently in different countries. Um, platform as a service and infrastructure as a service. Those are the ones that we come across the most.
0: Right. You always hear about SaaS, pass yes. and what, what was the third one?
1: That's right. <laughs> That's yes. what I'm saying. Different <laughs> right. people yeah, pronounce quite difficult different to say, aren't they? People. But IaaS. Um, but there's actually right. a wide variety of tech services now that works on a similar principle. And I think about something like network as a service, monitoring as a service, disaster recovery as a service, data as a service. And we have come across like a collective name for these as X-A-A-S. So anything as a service is now under that umbrella.
0: Got it. How would I say that? Uh, <laughs> I'll that to
1: you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, amazing. So that that's so interesting. Um, so now I understand what cloud computing is. Um, I think I've got a good idea of what SAS, PASS, and IS and all the different SASs are. So, um, Yeah. Do you want to tell me a little bit about SaaS and, you know, about the business model and why is it so popular? Why does everyone want to know about SaaS? Okay.
1: SaaS is really popular because all a customer needs is really a computer and internet connection. It can be rolled out to multiple customers. And here I mean hundreds of thousands. Um, and they all access the same software, usually through the internet. So, let me give you some idea of SaaS products that are out there that you've come across probably, but had no idea or didn't connect them to the fact that they are cloud computing products or SaaS products. Um, Microsoft Office 365, that's a SaaS product.
0: Oh, yeah, I've used that. So, I guess that would differ from the Microsoft Office that i bought millions of years ago which was on a cd-rom which you installed on your computer and i actually remember the first time you were able to run microsoft word i guess we would say in the cloud so is that an example of sas
1: the other one is all your social media platforms something like facebook and lastly something that is quite familiar to businesses um zero who just recently won uh, one of the best SaaS platforms
0: Okay, so I understand what SaaS is, but I mean, it sounds to me like SaaS is a game for really big companies, <laughs> uh, you know, Microsoft and Zero. So, you know, what does SaaS have to do with the everyday entrepreneur that might be listening to our show?
1: Not at all. SaaS, the, the beauty of SaaS is that there's very little customization. So customization is limited to basically choosing different options, which, which is already built in in the functionality of the product. So it makes it easy for someone to create a product um, and it doesn't, it doesn't mean that it can't be changed or amended or made better as time goes on and, and you know, as, as they see what the needs of their customers are, but it means that they can roll out one product without having to recustomize it over and over again at a lower cost base, but to many more customers.
0: Okay, I think I understand. So if I am an entrepreneur, and I've come up with a really nice idea, something that I think would solve a problem for some set of my clients, rather than going and, you know, servicing each of my clients one by one by one, I could create a little program on the internet, my clients could run that program, it could solve some sort of a problem for them. And The hope is that they would pay me then for that piece of software that program is that right
1: and the fact is that the subscription model has become popular so in other words instead of me paying 500 or 900 pounds for a software product that i have to install and i have to host it somewhere and pay for hosting All I need is a good internet connection, and I pay a monthly subscription, which is great for smaller businesses in particular, but all businesses, really, because it's nice for the budget, and you pay £10 a month or £5 a month instead, and for that, you get all this functionality of this fantastic product.
0: Yeah, and I know myself. I always sign up for these services, and, you know, I would really look away from buying a piece of software which costs hundreds of pounds but if someone says the product's going to cost me ten dollars a month or something like that i'll often pay for these subscriptions and i sign up for them for a very long time which is probably really good for the vendor
1: exactly um
0: so so when i think about SaaS and i'm listening to what you're saying it's Starting to sound like a really good business opportunity. Is this limited just to people who are technical? Can anyone get involved Obviously in this Obviously, you need
1: technical skills to build a SaaS product, so that is a given. However, um, if you look at something like Zero, it was probably not very technical people who came up with the idea that bookkeeping could be done in a better way, so you get better functionality and better access. Um, to your figures in your business and they got someone to build that for them.
0: I understand. That's so interesting. And, you know, it really makes me think of all the different people who might be listening to our podcast. Even if you're not technically minded, even if you're not a software developer, you might have some very interesting insight into business that could help you to sort of build some kind of widget, some sort of a product that could change the nature of your business and take you from being a, You know, whatever your profession is now to being some sort of a SaaS vendor and. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to tell me about SaaS and uh, anything that we've left out?
1: I think just that SaaS is everywhere. So um, there's a lot of people that actually use that as a business model, um, even in places where you didn't expect it. If you listen to the names that we talked about and, and the type of services that have, it's evolved into now. Um, so it's a really useful model and very interesting times. And it brings so much possibility for vendors
0: amazing vicky thank you so much for this and i'm so excited that on the next episode we're going to be speaking now a little bit more about the legals behind sas do you want to give us a little sneak peek about the kind of stuff we'll be hearing about on the next episode
1: sure Um, i'm excited for the next episode as well to take you a bit deeper into how a sas agreement should look so if you're a sas vendor or if you sign a sas agreement which most businesses do these days um even though they don't always realize Um, what to look out for, what are the risks, what you should be doing, what you shouldn't be doing um, to make sure that the model still works for you.
0: Amazing. Vicky, thank you so much for being on the first ever episode of the Ethics Legal Podcast and have a lovely rest of your day. I'll speak to you soon. And to our listeners, thank you all so much for tuning in and you can catch us on the next Ethics Legal Podcast.
1: Thank you, Guy. You've been a wonderful host guiding me through this.